Hey guys, when we get into another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real, it's again a podcast where we learn, what we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys find the podcast on YouTube and anywhere else you get your podcast. We're just so thankful that you guys are here and that you guys are with us today. Okay, so it's it's a, it's great to be back. Glad to be back with you guys. Uh, I was actually at Bible Camp last week. Such a great week. So encouraging. The singing, the the fellowship, just being together, even the competition from sports. It was it was great. It was such a great week, and I was so thankful to be there with that great staff, uh, great directors, and and great kids and parents. So we're we're just so thankful uh, for the opportunity. Uh, for camp and what that does here. So we're, we're thankful to be back. Um, again, there was before, before this podcast, yeah, actually before camp, we just got done with a, a Ruth and Boaz series. So that's been six parts plus a prequel. So before episode one, you'll see an episode. Does anybody care about my cup? That's the prequel to the series. So we love for you guys to go back and go back on that journey with us. The, the, the comments, the DMs, I mean, people are still talking about it. People are still listening to it. We're just so thankful for you guys' engagement, not only in that series, but literally in the entire catalog of the podcast up to this point as we continue to move forward. Um, so that's been great. That's That's been so great the past couple months, and we're just so thankful for you guys and, and how you've received that, and we're, we're thankful for uh, the study of, of Ruth and Boaz there. Also, one more thing before we get into our podcast for today, um, I'm happy to announce that we are going to be partnering uh, with the Confidence Act, okay? Now, the Confidence Act is something that was uh, created by Bree Neighbors, friend of mine. So what she's doing is she has a store uh, for our ladies. There's great things on there. There's active wear, there's dresses, there's tops, there's other things that um, that the ladies can wear and can enjoy. Um, and so I will put a link to her store um, underneath the YouTube videos moving forward. And then also, if I can, if it'll let me, I'll put it underneath the audio description um, in the show notes so that you guys can check that out. I know I'm going to share that with some of the ladies here. And I know that maybe some of the ladies where you are would like to check that out. So again, it's called the Confidence Act. We're just so thankful for Bree, what she's doing and uh, for her work in the Lord and, and as she continues to grow and as we all continue to grow together. So again, check that out. Links will be under the video and hopefully under the show notes moving forward. Okay, so we're starting kind of a new thing here with the podcast. So here's here's where we're going today. The topic today is I don't think my prayers are being answered. I don't think my prayers are being answered. So here's, here's where this is coming from today. This podcast is actually coming from multiple conversations recently with people. And with these conversations, probably about three to four, maybe five conversations, all these people have been dealing with something or they're going through something for a long period of time. But the common denominator between all of these people is... Um, all of them have expressed a need and a want and a desire and a and and help from God through prayer. And as all of them for a long period of time have desired these things from God in prayer, it seems as if the Lord is not answering them how they want to be answered or just even in general, it seems as if the Lord is not answering them. 
And so this is kind of where the the title for the podcast came today is I I don't think the Lord's answering my prayers. You know, there's a there's a certain level of, you know, just like with anything, with a job, with a sport, with a business, when you put in a certain level of work, when you put in a certain level of sacrifice, when you put in a certain level of time into something physically, like we talked about, there's going to be some level of reward. Not saying that there's not going to be failures, not, not saying that there's not going to be hills and valleys. Yes, that's natural literally with everything in life. But there is a constant where it seems as if when you put in the effort and sacrifice and time into a certain thing in life, that that certain thing is going to reward you for that time. But sometimes with God, because he's so high and his thoughts are higher than ours and his ways are higher than ours and where he leads is better than where we could even lead ourselves, even if we had the chance and even if we had the knowledge of all those things. God is so much better that sometimes when you put in time, sometimes when you sacrifice and sometimes even when you pour out your heart in prayer to God, sometimes the things that you're asking for and the things that you're praying to God for, sometimes that's not going to happen. And so now we're, we're stuck in this little gray area where we're, we're asking ourselves, I don't think my prayers are being answered. I don't think my prayers are being heard. And that's, that's where we're, we're joining our conversation, and that's where we're building our conversation for our podcast today. So as we start this, and before we get into our text, here's, here's another thought as we build our foundation of this. Do you guys ever think, because the reason why, before we get there, the reason why I want to go here before we get into our text is I want to bottle this emotion because before we get into it, you have to understand this feeling if you don't already. And you might go to this podcast knowing, man, this is me, right? This is how I feel. This is how I felt. This is this is what's going on right now. So I want you to pull this feeling out and hold this as we talk about it because there's going to be so many great nuggets from 1 Samuel chapter 1. That's where we're going from Hannah where we can see, man, am I the only one that's ever felt like this? So we're going to look at it from her eyes and her perspective and her emotions as we dive into the text. But before we get there, you guys ever feel like um, that some people's prayers, and again, preface, preface before I go into this, we understand that this is not God's nature. We understand that God is not a God of partiality. God is not a respecter of persons. That that is not God, that is not who he is, that is not his nature. What we're getting ready to explain is sometimes the irrational thinking that you and I can have about that rational and good God, okay? That's where we're going with this. So in your prayers and even in your life now, have you ever felt like, which again, we know this is not true, but have you ever felt like some people's prayers What's the right word? It's almost like some people's prayers have more juice than yours does, right? Some people have more, God gives them more opportunity. They have more opportunity. The Lord seems to bless them more. The Lord seems to love them more. Um, but it seems like with your prayers and the prayers and the, the petitions and the, the time that you spent in preparation and in prayer on certain things, it's almost like the Lord has shut you out. And I want you to keep that phrase in mind, shut you out. It's like the Lord is not even giving you a second chance. He's not even giving you a look. He's not even giving you a, a real opportunity. 
But for others, it seems as if opportunity after opportunity is happening, and you're wondering, what's what's wrong with my prayers? What's wrong with me? And that's the that's the feeling that I want you to bottle up right now and really feel because you have to match this emotion with what's happening here in First Samuel chapter one. So let's let's dive into the text here. I don't think my prayers are being answered. So let's begin, man. All right, let's get some context. Let's begin in verse two, because this is going to connect a little bit to our Ruth and Boaz series here. Um, okay, so verse two of chapter one. So Elkanah, who we're introduced to in verse one and two, Elkanah had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. The name of the other was Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, quick pause. Remember going back to our Boaz and Ruth days. Remember, it's not as, not saying it's not potent today, but it was it was so potent, the thought process then, that if a woman could not have children, because of how literally women were viewed as property then, she would be viewed as, as nothing because she couldn't provide a line for that man. She couldn't provide. And so think about the feeling of Hannah. Penaniah could have children, which she, she was deemed as worthy, and Hannah had no children. So it's setting us up into the feeling that Hannah has right now before she even talks. Okay. Verse three. So this man, Elkanah, went out of the city yearly to worship and a sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. And when the time that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penaniah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters portions. Now remember, this goes all the way back to, to Genesis. Remember when Jacob gave all those portions to his 12 sons and he gave those portions to Joseph? That was kind of a natural thing for a father to do uh, with, with their sons is to give them certain portions and to give them certain blessings. So that's what's happening here. That's what Elkanah is doing. Uh, verse 5, but unto Hannah, because she couldn't have children, he gave unto her, watch what the text says, a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But I want you to notice the end of verse 5 here. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, this goes back to this feeling that we're trying to grasp. Notice the feeling that you're feeling right now with your prayers and those original people that I was talking about before that are in certain situations. It feels as if the Lord has shut you out. That's a that's a um, that's a different feeling, isn't it? That the Lord has shut you out on certain things. It, it's almost like, man, what what am I doing? What am I not doing that I need to be doing? So the Lord won't shut me out. You know, I'm reminded of the book of Job, how Job talked about how I used to talk to the Lord. He used to walk into my tents. My my stairs were full of oil. I mean, we would talk as a friend would talk. But then the Lord says nothing as Job is going through all those things that he's dealing with. And Job is wondering, where is my companion? Where is my friend? Why has the one that I was so close to at one point, why has he completely shut me out? And you may feel that right now. It feels as if maybe earlier in life things were better. But now as you're growing older, why does it seem like things are being shut out? Why is it, think, why is it like things are getting harder? Things are getting more difficult. It's a, it's it's almost as if my fellowship with the Lord now is different than it was before. 
And so this is what's happening here. The Lord has shut up her womb. So now, as we look at verse 6, that gives us the context from verses 2 to 5. Now verse 6, and her adversary. Now who is that? Hannah's adversary was Penaniah, because going back up to verse 3, what could Penaniah have that Hannah couldn't have? She could have children. So therefore, her adversary, which was Penaniah, provoked her and provoked her sorely and made her fret. And watch the phrase again, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Here's what's interesting. Here's the first thing that I'm seeing, especially just from verse six alone. Many times, like I said, like those friends that I talked about before and people that are going through those certain situations, what's interesting is we can provoke people in two different ways today. We can provoke people in two different ways. So when someone comes to you with a problem, with with them wanting answers, where they're completely lost, where they're completely hurt, where they're completely heartbroken, where they just want somebody there to be there and to comfort them and to basically tell them that everything's going to be better. We can provoke people in two different ways. The first way, we can provoke people maliciously. So what's 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 Penaniah doing? She had children. So she took something that God gave her, which was inherently good. Because, again, the Psalms and the Proverbs, what are children? Children are a blessing and an inheritance from the Lord. So she took something that was inherently good, and she put that inherently good thing in front of Hannah and said, you can't have this. And she provoked her. You know, it, isn't it interesting? This, this is just kind of a little side thought and a side mission before we get back to the text here. Isn't it interesting that throughout the text, the relationship from women to women was they were always fighting? Isn't that interesting? And, you know, I love how the Psalms mentions that it is such a beautiful thing when brethren come together in unity. There is always from Genesis basically to this point in First Samuel. Women have always been fighting with each other. Now, if you look at scripture, you can look at it as, well, it's a man's world versus a woman's world. Now, you can look at it because there's examples, and we've seen that from Ruth, from the beginning of 1 Samuel, so we can see that. But then also there's another world inside that world where women sometimes fight against each other. And Ruth, up to this point, is basically the only example of an older woman and Naomi and a younger woman and Ruth working hand in hand and one not provoking the other because one has something that the other one can't have. But remember, from this point on, there's always been fights. You've had Rachel and Leah. You've had all those things going on between them. Now you have Hannah and you have Penaniah. You have all these examples of women fighting because of certain things. But it's a beautiful thing, not only when brethren deal together in unity as a whole, but just as a quick side thought I wanted to throw out there, it is a wonderful thing when a woman, whether it's younger, younger, whether it's older, older, whether it's older, younger, it is a beautiful thing when women can work together in unity. It's a beautiful thing because that helps them grow, 
But then that helps us as men grow when they're dwelling in unity together. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. But this is not the case of what's happening here. So Penaniah provoked her sorely. She, she just put this in front of her face. So that's one way that we can provoke people is we can provoke people just like Penaniah did. We provoked her sore. Look at verse 7. And as he did so year by year, what's he doing year by year? According to verse, verse 4 or verse 3, what Elkanah was doing, Elkanah went up to Shiloh to offer sacrifices, right? So the text says, as Elkanah did this year by year, what did Penaniah do year by year? I got kids and you don't. I got kids and you don't. I've got kids. So imagine from Hannah's perspective, from a whole family going up to, to Shiloh to worship, that should be something that families should have looked forward to doing. But imagine year by year, Elkanah says, all right, it's time for us to go, and we're going to Shiloh to worship. Think about, think about Hannah's feelings. Now, when I go up there, the only thing that's going to happen is as I'm trying to worship my Lord, that Penaniah is just going to weigh this over my head that I don't have what she has. So what does worship turn into her, turn for her? It's, it's been a problem because she's provoking. So that's one way we can provoke people is maliciously. But I think this one here, the next one, the next one, and I think innocently, I think this is the next one that a lot of us fall into. We can provoke people maliciously, but we can provoke people innocently too. We can provoke people innocently. So what does that mean? So let's let's fast forward real quick to the 21st century. So let's say there's a couple that's coming to you and they know you, they respect you, they love you, they see you as an example, and they just come to you for advice. And they're coming to you as Hannah. We've been trying. We've been trying to have kids. We've done everything that we could that we could. We've been praying about it. We've been trying for years. We've been going to the doctor. We've been doing certain things. We've been taking certain things so that we can have a child. But the Lord just hasn't blessed us. And as that couple, they talk to their other younger couple friends, and they see their kids, and they see all the things that's happening for them. Naturally, they're going to look at their situation, and they're going to want children. So now, what would you say to that couple? Many times... Innocently, I don't think, I truly believe this does not happen maliciously. Innocently, what we tend to do is we tend to explain the situation away. What do I mean by that? Well, maybe the Lord is reserving a special place for you. Could that be true? Absolutely. Maybe the Lord wants you to adopt. Maybe he, maybe he will give you children in a different way than your friends. Could that be true? Absolutely. But here's, here's the catch to that, though. Many times we can provoke people because we explain it away rather than having the compassion and empathy that they need. And I need to do a better job of that, too. I'll be the first to, to admit. Yeah, I need to do a better job of that. When people come to you, people come to you, and when you see their, when you see their emotions and when you see them distraught and once you hear their story and you hear how long they've been asking or waiting or trying or suffering or whatever the case may be, and you can see it on their face as they're explaining their problem and their issue to you, because you have so much compassion 
and because you love them and you want to see them move from this suffering state to a state of peace and joy, many times in our minds, we think the solution is to give them some type of answer. I don't want them to come to my office with no answers. I don't want them to call my phone with no answers. I don't want us to meet one-on-one somewhere and we've done all this just so I can't give you any answers. I got to give you something. So we feel like we got to give them something because if we don't give them something, then we feel like we didn't do our jobs right. Does that make sense? But I want you to notice what, what's happening here. Notice, notice, this is now, this is the innocence part. Notice, notice verse eight. Or let's read the end of verse seven. So as he did so year by year and went to the house of the Lord, she provoked her. Therefore, Hannah wept and she did not eat. Now watch what happens. Verse, verse eight. Then Elkanah, her husband said to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Question. Didn't Elkanah know the reason why? He saw it year by year by year by year by year. So he knew why she was crying. Second question. How come you're not eating? He knew why she wasn't eating. Why is your heart grieved? He knew why her heart was grieved. Am I not better to you than 10 sons? So now notice what Elkin is doing. Now it could be a mix of malicious and and innocence. And we don't know because the text doesn't explain that to us. But it looks as if this is in a sense almost a clueless part on Elkanah's part. And sometimes we can provoke people by blatantly putting what what they don't have in front of their face, but we can also provoke them by almost asking the same questions that Elkanah is asking in verse eight and trying to give answers and solutions. But I want you to notice what happens here in verse nine. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk And Eli, the priest, sat on the seat post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of her soul. And she prayed unto the Lord, and she wept sore. You know, I think instead of of provoking people maliciously and provoking people innocently, one thing that I'm going to try to do better, and maybe you can join me in this, and I know that it's going to seem sometimes that you're not going to give people an answer, And I know that's going to be the case, and that's going to be a struggle. But I think what we need to do, and the the scripture seems to support this idea, is yes, could it be true that the Lord has special things reserved for people? Yes. Could it be true that the Lord is going to provide things differently than the way people expected it? Absolutely, it's true. But sometimes the best thing to do with people is maybe not configure an answer with them, based on my experience or theirs, I don't have any answers for you. I sympathize with you. I cry with you. Um, I feel that emotion that you may be feeling. But right now what we can do is in the bitterness of our souls together, we can pray to our Lord. And I think that's why I pray without ceasing is so special. And I think prayer is so special. And I think when the scripture talks about Rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. When you both feel that bitterness of the soul 
And when you both have no answers, the person that's going through it has no answers, and the person that they're coming to has no answers, when everybody is in that same position of bitterness of soul, let's all just pray. That's the best thing we can do. Let's just pray about it. And if you feel this way tomorrow, let's pray again. And if you feel this way all year, let's pray all year. And if you feel this way for five years, we're going to keep praying for five years. We're just going to keep doing this because this is what the Lord wants from us. He wants that dependence on us rather than us giving the answers. And so Hannah, she wasn't looking for answers. In the bitterness of her soul, she just prayed. And notice verse 11. She vowed a vow. And she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid, and you will give unto your handmaid a, hand, a man child, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and there no razor shall come upon his head. So now notice what she's doing. Notice her prayer. Her prayer is just so beautiful. She gives a vow to the Lord. And as she gives this vow to the Lord, I love this. And I think this is a prayer that I want to start praying a little bit more at the beginning. Look at what she says. Lord, if you will look on the affliction of your servant. You know, the, the beautiful thing about as we suffer and as we have no answers, the reason why we come to people is obviously, yes, we want an answer. But the reason why we come to people about certain things is we want people to, to look. Not in a bad way, not for attention, not for whatever that is, but you want someone to understand and to see you. You're seen. You know, I'm reminded of John chapter 5. We looked at this at camp at a campfire devo that I was privileged to do. John chapter 5, a man that was at the pool of Bethesda. And as he's at that pool, he's sitting at that pool because he's lame and he's hurt. And he's been this way for 38 straight years. And he's had no help. And the text literally says in verse 5 and verse 6 that Jesus saw him. And Jesus knew his case. And Jesus knew how long he'd been there. You know, I think about Leah and Rachel in the book of Genesis. Think about Leah. Leah was hated among the two. But then the text in Genesis said, but God looked and God saw Leah. He saw her. Hannah's saying the same thing. She's literally asking the Lord directly. Lord, can you please look? You know, that, that's, a, that's, that's different than asking for an answer. Hannah's not asking for an answer here. Hannah's asking the Lord, can you please look? Maybe for you, as you're, as you're walking and as you're thinking about some things in your prayer life, maybe we've spent too much time asking the Lord for answers, and maybe we've spent too much time asking the Lord for us to see the answer. Now, is that inherently wrong to pray? I believe that's a good thing to pray. I believe that's a good thing to pray for the Lord to give you the wisdom that you need to see what you need to see. But it's so wise. And it's so humbling and it's so dependent to start off your prayer, not by asking for an answer, not by even asking to see an answer, but to start off the prayer by saying, Lord, can you please look? Can you please open up your eyes and just look? 
Man, that's powerful, isn't it? That's powerful. So she says, look, and then notice what else she goes. She says, and can you remember me? One thing as humans that we we don't want to be forgotten, right? We don't want to we don't want to feel like you know God has forgotten us, and we don't want to feel like people have forgotten us. So she says, Lord, can you look at your servant and can you remember? Now, isn't that interesting that she asked the Lord to remember? Because apparently from the text up to this point, who had forgotten the person that said he loved her? Elkanah, why are you weeping? Why are you grieved? Why aren't you eating? You see, those questions to a woman, you're not, you're not looking intently at me. You've forgotten. So she's asking the right man and God, can you remember me? Ladies, you may be put in certain situations like that where the guy that you're with, the husband that you're with, maybe the husband that you're divorced, whatever the case may be, the guy that you're dating, whatever whatever the case may be, that you're not seeing. And you need to go to the man that will always see you. And that man is God. That's different. That's a, that's a different level stuff here. So now remember me. And don't forget your handmaid. But then notice how she doesn't just stay within herself here. Now she she gives something up to God. I will give him to you, Lord. I'm not praying for this so that I can have it for myself, so I can fit in with my friend group. I'm not saying this and praying this out of the bitterness of my soul just so I can post the same things that everybody else is posting. I'm not giving this and doing this just so I can have the appearance that I have everything in line as if everything else and everyone else has everything in line. I want to have this son so that I could give this son in your service. Here's a question that you honestly have to ask yourself, and I have to honestly ask myself too, whether that's in a job, whether that's in a person that you're asking for, whether that's in a child that you're asking for. You have to take the time to really sit down and you have to answer this question with all with all truth. Why do I want this thing and why do I really want this person in my life? Is it just to satisfy a certain level of loneliness? Is it to satisfy my need? Is it to satisfy my want? Or do I want this person in my life? Do I want this job in my life? Do I want this child in my life? So that when God gives said thing and said person to me, that together we can give ourselves to God. You got to be real here. You got to really sit back and, and really answer, why do I want her? Why do I want him? Why do I want this child? Why do I want this job? We should want these things that are inherently good so that when if the Lord blesses us with these things, that we could just give it back to him. And that's the beautiful mindset, man, that Hannah had. Verse 12, let's keep walking through the text. Beautiful nuggets here. So it came to pass, right, that she continued. So again, this is the continual process of this. She continued praying to the Lord. And Eli marked her mouth. Now, when you just look at this initially, you can think 
Eli marked her mouth, what does that mean? Does it mean he held her mouth, that he shut her mouth, that he closed it? Marked her mouth here in the text means he was looking at her mouth. So you ever seen somebody like lip sync or you're, you're, maybe you're whispering to somebody from across the room and you'll mouth something and someone's watching your mouth? That's what that word means. So when Eli marked her mouth, he's looking at what she's saying. Now, Hannah is praying with such earnest, and she's praying with such um, sincerity and dependence and humility that she has so much to say, and her she's literally pouring out her heart to God that no words are coming out. Now, remember, who's watching this? Eli's sitting there, and she's praying. And as she's praying about this, she gets to the point where she's not saying words. If you haven't got to that level of prayer yet, that's a different level, okay, of where when you pray about maybe a death or maybe you're missing somebody or or financial help or whatever the case might be, when you pray about something for a long period of time and you just continue to suffer as Hannah's suffering, it gets to a point where you don't have anything else to say. Because for years, you've already said your piece. So you don't want to feel repetitive. But it's almost like, what else What else can I say? How else can I ask for the same thing? So now your heart doesn't have the words to the music anymore. At, at one point in time, your heart had the words to the music. But now your heart doesn't even have the words. And that goes back to Romans, how we have how the spirit intercedes on our behalf because of that. And that's what's happening. So watch what happens. Verse verse 13. And Hannah, because she didn't have the words anymore, where's the music located now? She spake from her heart. There's going to be a a point in time, guys, where you're not going to have the words. The music's going to be in your heart. And Jeremiah chapter 1, Romans chapter 4 through 6, Who understands the heart? Jeremiah 17, God. God knows and God understands the heart. And to us, between humans, I may not understand your pain fully as as hard as I try. I may not understand it. But that music, God can hear that so clear. So do not underestimate. I I know you may have lost the words. But don't underestimate the song that's in your heart that you can pray to God. And Hannah's letting that song play. She spake in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice couldn't be heard. Now, what's Eli thinking as he's sitting here watching this? Eli thinks she's drunk. Verse 14, how long will you be drunk? Put the wine away from you. And Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I'm just a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I've neither drunk wine nor strong drink. But what you're seeing right now is you're seeing me pour out my soul. How do I say this? I don't know if I've gotten here yet. But to pour out your soul, many of us have poured out words we poured out feelings, we poured out situations, we poured out wants, we poured out desires. We've poured out a lot of stuff. 
but to pour out your soul. I don't even know if I know how to explain that. To pour out a soul to God. And Hannah had gotten to the level where she knew and she had the humility to understand, I don't have the words anymore, but my soul is just going to be poured out to my God. You know, and maybe you're there. And maybe you just have to pour your soul out to him. But I want you to notice you're pouring out your soul to who? You're pouring out your soul to the Lord. Man, so as you and I pray with each other, yeah, we'll pray together. But after we pray, you got to pour out your soul. I think a lot of times, and I think this is done in innocence too, a lot of times we depend on someone else's prayers, which we should pray for one another. There is a plethora of verses we can look at of pray for one another, pray without ceasing, pray fervently. There's there's many verses and all of them from Paul. We can look at that. First Thessalonians, Colossians. We can keep going. But at some point after everybody's praying for you, you got to pour out your soul to him. That's different. You got to pour it out. Verse 16. Then she says, don't count, don't count your handmaid as a daughter of Belial, as someone that's evil. Don't count me like that. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, that's how I've spoken. That's what you're seeing. Then Eli answered, and he said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant you your petition that you've asked of him. And she said, let your handmaid find grace in your sight. So the woman went her way, and she ate, and her countenance was no more sad. Lord, I don't think my prayers are being answered. You know, right now, you may be feeling that right now, and I get that too. You may be feeling like in certain areas that your that your prayers are not being answered, that in that area, in that pocket of your life, you just don't have the juice, you just don't have the, you don't have the thunder to have that prayer answered. You don't have the opportunity to have that prayer answered. I get that. But maybe as we look at this together, your need and want may never happen. And I hate to say that. I really, really do. I really, I promise you guys, I really hate to say that. And again, I don't want to put my, myself ever in the position of God. But I think we have to be smart to understand some things sometimes. Hannah went through these things, but what grew in Hannah? Hannah's love and dependence, and Hannah got to the point where when her soul was absolutely poured out to the Father, what did the text say that God did to her womb before? He shut it. What did he do now? God opened it. It could be possible that from Hannah's example, that the reason why things are shut up for us is because we haven't truly poured out our souls yet. And once we pour out our souls in consistent dependence to God, an area of your life that seems to be shut off, God may open.
How awesome, man. That's, that's, that's different. <laughs> that's different stuff, man. Like I really hope that can encourage you today from first Samuel. Again, take your time again to go back and read verses two through two through like 18. As we looked at the text today, I hope that that can give you a level of encouragement and, and a level of hope that the Lord wants to hear from you. The Lord wants to hear that song. The, those those desires and that dream and that service and all that thing, all those things that you have in your heart, the Lord wants to hear those things through prayer. And as the Lord wants to hear those things through prayer, if you continually seek him, what Paul said, Paul said you'll find him, as the book of Acts mentions. The Lord wants to be found. But through your suffering, year by year by year, through your hurt year by year by year, suffering, we could put anything in that blank. Keep seeking after our God. Don't stop. That's my encouragement from Scripture today. Keep seeking your Father. The Father wants to be found, but he's looking for people as bad and as dim and as dark and as literally impossible as things look. He's looking for people that no matter what, they're going to keep trying to find him. Don't let these things stop you from finding our father. Man, great, great lesson, man. Great lesson for first, first Samuel chapter 1. Um, again, links for the Confidence Act, merch link. All those things will be underneath uh, the video. Hopefully the show notes too if it will let me. Check that out. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. And we will be back. Will I be here Monday? I should be. We should be here Monday next week. Yes, we'll be back on Monday next week. Love you guys. Thanks, guys.